Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. A hand-lettered sandwich board by the roadside caught my eye. Irish music, tonight at seven. Behind the sign was a small brick house set back from Main Street with a circular driveway out front, no parking lot. I imagined some old man from the old country singing in his living room. I decided to go. A friend met me and we showed up just at seven. A lovely older woman named Cecilia introduced herself to us at the front door with a lilting brogue and invited us into her living room. It had a tin ceiling, a little raised stage with room for maybe three chairs and pews facing the stage maybe six of them, with a few folding chairs closest to the front. The room was almost full. Maybe 15 people had come, all ages, including a couple of kids. And I heard more brogues as we took a seat toward the back. Cecilia's husband emerged from the kitchen carrying a guitar, an old man from the old country, indeed, who introduced himself warmly as Gene, Jean Clancy, as in Jean Clancy of the Irish Ramblers, holy cow. And then came their only daughter, Rose, statuesque, beautiful, decidedly American, until she lifted her fiddle and bow, and instantly we were all transported to County Armagh. I felt as if I had walked through Alice's looking glass. There was father-daughter guitar and fiddle music, and they were soon joined by a young woman who played the small pipes. It turns out she's married to the local UCC minister. Their 11-year-old son is Rose's student. He plays mandolin as if he were born with it in his arms. And then an Irish flute player made her way up onto the stage, and another excellent young student joined in for a song on the fiddle. Later, Rose's godfather came up from the back of the room and added accordion to the mix, as well as some gorgeous original songs. Who knew that Eugene's brother, Pat Clancy, another Irish rambler, was in the house? Oh, and an Irish tenor came up and sang. He sang, and we sang everything from there was music in my mother's house to the fox went out on a chilly night. With Jean Clancy at all but 80 years old, acting out the verse that says, old mother flipper-flopper jumped out of bed and out of the window she cocked her head, crying, John, John, the gray goose is gone and the fox is on the town o Well into the evening, Cecilia called for an intermission and we were all welcomed into her kitchen and served hot tea and jeans, brown bread with Irish butter. And then the music resumed. Time disappeared and there was only the present, and gorgeous instrumentals, and singing and harmony, and the fiddle above all. I sang enchanted. 
Where did they come from? How did this happen? It turns out that Rose Clancy was working in Manhattan, comfortable and successful, playing violin for pleasure, and then attending a music festival while on vacation in Ireland. She met a man who was playing a violin he had made himself. I became obsessed with it, Rose recalls. Daydreaming, she found the North Bennett Street School in Boston, which offers a three-year course on how to handcraft a violin. Over the years, she would study the brochure and look over the application, but she says, I just didn't think that it was really possible. I just didn't have the courage. Suddenly, and I love this suddenly, how does it happen? Suddenly, she says, I decided life's too short. You have to go for it. At the age of 42, she was accepted to North Bennett Street School. Jean Clancy recalls, I was a little worried about her. She couldn't even sharpen a pencil. <laughs> Learning to handcraft violins was the catalyst for Rose Clancy's feeling alive. There's a real joy to making an instrument, she says, then using it to play music. But it's become so much bigger than that. It's the small brick house with a wood shop out back, beautiful violins for sale, music students of all ages, and a weekly celebration of family, music, community, and feeling alive. American mythologist Joseph Campbell, renowned for the directive to follow your bliss, said, I don't believe people are looking for the meaning of life as much as they are looking for the experience of feeling alive. My heavenly evening with the Clancy's is just a snapshot of a few hours in which musicians and audience came alive, very alive. What is it that makes us, makes you, feel alive? I want, you to, I want to invite you to join me in exploring that question this morning. Baptist theologian and civil rights leader Howard Thurman said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Lori Desheen is the founder of a blog called Tiny Buddha, described as simple wisdom for complex lives. Lori has come up with 40 things off the top of her head that might be starting places for feeling more alive, such as, number four, tell a friend your greatest dream and ask them to hold you accountable in pursuing it. Number 23, issue yourself a life ticket. We find ways to pay parking tickets when we get them because we have to. Be resourceful and come up with a way to pay for something you'd love to make happen. Number 34, think of someone you admire and write down three things they do that you don't think you can do. Now make it a personal mission to prove yourself wrong. Number 38, ask yourself, what would I try if I thought I wouldn't fail? Take one tiny step toward that goal today. 
Lori Desheen uses the word exhilarated, and it's a good one. She signs off on her list saying, today, I'm going to spend several hours doing something I haven't done in 10 years with people I've never met. I feel terrified, but oh, so thrilled and alive. What would give you that feeling? Kim and I backpacked into the Grand Canyon on August 4th, Kim's birthday. It was, as always, an absolutely magnificent gift. Unbeknownst to us, as we, as we descended to the Colorado River, streaming with the glory of that vast, ancient, magical place, just ahead of us there were two brothers. One of them didn't make it. People die in the canyon all the time. It's dangerous. But somehow, the contrast of our exuberance and the sadness of this untimely death got to us more than usual. The terrible alarm clock that alerts us to our mortality went off and shook us awake. Don't wait to be happy or to feel free, that alarm says. Don't waste your precious time hanging around, waiting for something or someone to make you feel alive. Don't be scared to death. Be scared to life. Saturday Night Live's Amy Poehler reminds us of all the positive ways we can scare ourselves and feel alive. You can tell someone you love them first, she says. You can try to speak only the truth for a whole week. You can jump out of an airplane or spend Christmas Day all alone. You can help people who really need help and fight real bad guys. You can dance or take a class or do one of those Iron Man things. Adventure and danger can be good for your heart and soul. The point is to feel alive, to really connect with that feeling. And we may need to take a chance on life. As my friend John Culver says, if it doesn't kill us, we'll have a fabulous story to tell. What keeps us from doing what makes us feel alive? We make excuses. We don't have the time. We don't have the money. We feel uncomfortable. Whatever it is feels like a commitment we don't want to make. And what if it doesn't lead anywhere? Anything that feels exciting, that awakens our passion, that points to the possibility of joy is leading somewhere. Not necessarily in the future, but right here, right now. What is it that makes us makes you feel alive. Although the entry point may be different for all of us, one wide doorway we share is through co-creation, a deep dive into the experience of community, of the whole being so much greater than its parts. When Ram Das asked his beloved teacher, Indian guru Neem Karoli Baba, how can I know the bliss of God? Maharaji answered one word, serve. Many of us experienced this in caregiving during the AIDS crisis of the 1980s and more recently in working to rebuild New Orleans after the federal flood of 2005. 
It happens here at Arlington Street every Friday night, feeding our neighbors who are hungry and homeless. In my own experience, one of the shortest routes to exhilaration is to take the deep dive and give service. Beloved spiritual companions, let's not wait to feel happy or to feel free. Let's not waste our precious time hanging around waiting for something or someone to make us feel alive. If need be, may we be scared to life. What the world needs is people who have come alive. And what makes you feel alive, ask yourself and go do it. Let's do it. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.